All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? How's it going? Did you get that thing fixed? How much did it cost? Was it more than you thought? Did they rip you off? Did you lose the uh, the receipt? What's going on? Are you okay? I mean, it's okay to throw a dish away. You know, if it's chipped or you, it doesn't matter. Just throw it away. I, I know you're attached to it, but you can just throw it away. It doesn't matter. It's seriously, nothing fucking matters. Do you understand? Is your kid all right to get through that thing? Surgery go good? How's your toe? How's your finger? How's that thing on your neck? Is your back all right? Where are you at? Hey, hey, don't freak out. Don't freak out. Relax. Most of it is in your head. Probably almost all of it is in your head. I'm in your head right now, and I'm saying, relax. How's everybody? Big day today, I think, for a lot of people. For me, it was a, it was a pretty big day when this happened. I interviewed Quentin Tarantino last week. And it was a big day. It's a big day in the sense that he's a big personality, a big presence in the culture, a big talent, uh, a guy who's uh, said everything you would think he'd had to say. Uh, Not many stones left unturned, I guess. You know, I'm not an obsessive person about people generally. I enjoy Quentin's work. I've always liked his work. I believe I've seen all the movies uh, at least once, except for one. But uh, but it was a little nerve wracking only because it's it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know where to start with that guy. Is that guy going to let me talk? Is he going to uh, steamroll me? Is it going to be a conversation? Do we have to go movie to movie? That seems to have been done for to death. He seems to have said his piece about everything about him that uh, there is to be said. So what do we do? Where do we go? And he was out pushing this book. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a novel. So I get this book in the mail. The book is in a like uh, old school kind of uh, trade paperback, the kind you used to see in the 70s that your mom would read if you're my age. Uh, big book, but the little paperback type with the pictures on front. It's all done to look like one of those books that I saw my mom reading in the 70s. And yeah, she probably still reads them. I'm sure they still have these type of books available, but it looks like a book from that time with the lettering and everything. So I'm thinking it's based on the movie, which it is. But then it becomes unclear from some of the information I got. Did he write some of it before the movie? Did some of it get filled after? Whatever the case, you know, where there was a non-disclosure agreement. Don't even say that the book exists. So I thought I should poke around in the book. You know, just see what the deal is. And you know what? Maybe watch the movie again. So I started reading the book and I was like, holy shit. I can't, I can't stop reading this book. And I'm not, I'm not here to push the book. He's here to push the book. I don't read a lot of books, especially not books of people that that are my guests, unless they're friends. Like Tom's going to be on here in a second. I read his book before it came out. But like Quentin, I'm like, you know, we'll just talk about the whatever and the movie and this and that. But the book is totally different than the movie. And it's totally entertaining. Quentin Tarantino is an entertaining motherfucker. There's no way around that. Everything he does is entertaining. He's entertaining. The movies are entertaining. Now the book's entertaining. Now, whatever you say about his uh, his approach, his sort of like homage-driven, frenetic collage approach to some of his films, despite his genius, which could have gone a different way, always entertaining. And the book is entertaining. A lot more backstory on Cliff and Rick. And uh, in the middle, it kind of breaks off into a Western novel. It's just 
good. And I didn't expect that. I didn't expect to read the whole book. And then I watched, I watched the movie again. And it didn't, neither one of them distracted from the other. And that fucking movie is a masterpiece. Maybe I've thrown that word around. I haven't. I don't throw that word around too much. I can name the masterpieces I've named over the years. Some people disagree with me. Hail Caesar, I thought was a masterpiece. I got a lot of pushback from that, from Coen Brothers nerds, you know, but fuck them. We think what we think. But Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is, uh, is truly a, a masterpiece. And it's, it's, I, I don't think I have kind of laugh cried that much during a movie in a long time. Fucking DiCaprio's performance is insane in the pace of the thing. Whatever. You guys know. It's Tarantino. But heading into this, I was, you know, I don't, it's not, I'm not nervous to meet people. It's not that like I'm in awe or that I'm intimidated. Really, I just get anxious because I don't know if we're going to be able to engage. Uh, I never know that. I never know that. I never know if it's going to be a conversation. I don't, and sometimes it doesn't work out. They're usually all okay. Some of them are great. You know, some of them, you know, suck for some people, but very few of them suck for me. But I know when I can't get over the hump. I know when, you know, the thing didn't engage. I know uh, when I was hoping they would fill in more of their life than they do. And I try to leave that open. But ultimately, I just want to engage. And I just didn't know. You know, he's a bigger than life presence culturally. He drove up in the uh, in a yellow Ford Mustang GT 500, the same car that was in uh, Death Proof. And uh, we got at it. We got into it. I got that book in the mail and I'm looking at it. And I just fucking I read it. Loved it. Got me all re-excited. Re-engaged with the Quentin. And uh, and you'll hear, man. You guys be the judge. It was pretty... Uh, we had a good time. We had a good time. For a lot of reasons. You'll hear them. You'll hear them. Also, I, I want to throw some love to uh, Kimmy Gatewood, my, one of my co-stars on GLOW, because uh, we wanted to book her, but it hasn't happened yet, but she has this film out that she directed. It's her first movie. It's called uh, Good on Paper, and it was written and stars another guest, someone I see a lot at the comedy store, Eliza Schlesinger, but uh, it's her movie, and it's on Netflix now. Okay, here's another thing. My friend Tom, who I've talked to, this will be the third time, you do understand, right, that we're doing a thing. I mean, I know that I've built up some credibility with this show, but please, please, people, please know or try to know when a bit is a bit, you should probably know about a third of the way into the bit happening. But this is the third segment. And just I just want you to know that Tom and I talk a lot and uh, you should know when a bit is a bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> OK, this is a this is you know, Sharpling has a book coming out and it's a good book. And there's interesting stuff about Sharpling. I know some of you don't know Sharpling, but I think you could take our word for it or my word for it. He's a very funny man. He's done great work. Go check out the best show. All right. Get that box set. Sharpling and Worcester, the best of the best show. That is some of the funniest radio shit that has ever happened on radio. Go check that out. If you don't want to go listen to the best show, uh, which is at the um, 
thebestshow.net, then go get that Sharpwing and Worcester box set, The Best of the Best Show. It is fucking timeless, hilarious radio comedy because Tom is a radio personality of the funny ilk. And this is me talking to Tom about the book that he's got coming out. Folks, that's the music. How often do I get to say that on, on this show? How often? When was the last time we had a recurring segment on this show? It's been since the beginning, and they failed. All of them failed <laughs> <laughs> at the beginning uh-huh. when we were we were like we got to make a structure for the show. But this segment is uh, maybe you've gotten used to it. I don't know. Maybe it'll never go away. But this is the last one for now. Get to know Tom, where we all learn a little bit more about Tom Sharpwing, our friend and author of the new book. It never ends. Available for pre-order at TomWroteABook.com. So, all right. So let's let's get on it. You know, I I know like the last couple of times I maybe I I, I pressed too hard to get stuff that's in the book because I want to. We all want to get an exclusive. No, I understand. I understand. Look, it's a book. It's my. It's, I wrote the yeah. basically the story of my yeah. life. And it has it has a lot of funny stuff in it, and it's got a lot of not funny stuff in it, and a lot of not funny stuff that is funny. Look, the last time I feel like I aggravated you, and uh, because I was just pressing, mm-hmm. but you know, but I, I respect I respect where you're coming from because you want people to get the book, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I worked on it for a long time, and it took uh, it took years for me to be yeah. ready to do it. And, yeah. I want the book to kind of no, I tell it. the story. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel like I feel like I was pushy, and uh, I don't usually do that. You know, and I don't. It's not really who I am. You know what I mean? It's like I let people kind of do their thing. And uh, so, how long did it take you to write this thing? A uh, couple years over, overall. I yeah. took breaks, but then kind of really, really powered through last year. Closed it out during the beginning of the pandemic, which was kind of nice i was like oh here's a great writing opportunity yeah everybody else is like oh that's right that because you were kind of pounding away yeah freaking out you had deadlines oh, i remember because we were having around. dinners and you mm-hmm. and you, you nailed it you brought yeah i was going around the clock i would ride this dry erase board that i would just write two thousand words on and just like the date <laughs> and then it was the greatest moment was when i could wipe yeah. the date off because then it meant i did it and you tell some good stories that some people who know you like you know uh, would know the Patty Smith stories in there, right? Yeah, the, and like the classics. Yeah, the Patty Smith story. Me being seeing her over and over in San Francisco. Yeah, it's funny. That's funny. And, then and just uh, finally yeah. confronting her in an elevator. Yeah, that's see, like that's just enough for a tease for people that don't know yeah. the story. That you know, everyone else. What did I say to yeah. her? What's the yeah? What, what how did, did I th- how did Tom make a fool out of himself <laughs> in that particular situation? Mm-hmm. But like, you know, some people, but yeah, come on, just be, um, let's, I mean, this is the third one of these. And yeah. I think, I think I've been a good sport. No, I, I appreciate you doing well, can't it. Can't you just give me, like, you don't want to talk about the thing at the place with the guy, mm-hmm. right? You don't want to talk about, uh, you know, what, what happened there and, you know, and you don't want to talk about, I get, yeah, but give, yeah. just, can we just give me one juicy one? Give me like one, okay. one that's no, no one knows. Okay. All right. Well, you're in the book. That was great. Yeah. It's great. It's a you great, want to tell? You, absolutely, go ahead. please. Yeah, tell the story. This is great. 
at this point in my life, I'm living in New Jersey. Uh, yeah. I'm working at a sheet music store. Yeah. I kind of want to start doing other things, but right, I don't right. need... It's that point where you don't even know where to start. Like, who do I talk to? What do I do? You've hit a wall. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, I don't know what to do with this. Stuck in your life. Yeah. But I want to try something, but I don't even know where to start. Right. My friend Joe Ventura, he's working- MTV. At MTV. He's he's writing and directing commercials, and it's just, he's on his way now. Yeah. And then we would go every Monday night down to the Lower uh, East Side. Is that the Lower East Side? Yeah. And we would go to uh, Eating It, which was a Monday night show- Right, that, Luna that you Lounge. Were, you Luna were off, yeah, and yeah. you were you were in a mainstay of that. Yeah, that was like the the real the first big uh, New York City alternative comedy show. Yes, and, and everybody was, yeah. would go up there and do their thing. Yeah, and, and I was always fucking worked up and trying to be in the moment and angry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes you'd go and you'd be like, "So I just signed a development deal for a thing." Be like, and then a couple of weeks later, you're like, "So that development deal's all <laughs> fucked up." <laughs> it's like it was the early it was just the narrative yeah it was, but it was, I was preparing for this show but we were getting a week by week yeah. update it was beautiful um, yeah and all the horrible things and i was doing blow yeah like like uh-huh. i was I'd... in that awesome luna lounge bathroom uh, oh i'm trying to remember that was terrible bathroom it was up front yeah, in the club in between yeah like yes. uh, it was like just outside of the showroom but originally it was all one club and then i think they built a wall Mm-hmm. Eventually, uh, at some point, so you could have a separation. Sure. Yeah. What a oh. what a shit show that was. Yeah. And then I remember we were there one week. Yeah. And I, I was so frustrated with my life at that point. And you yeah. were on stage, and and I didn't know you. No, did not know. Me and Joe were there, and yeah. um, you were on. You were saying something to the effect you were making some sort of comparison between two people. And I'm working at a music store. Yeah. Joe's working at MTV, and yeah. you said, "Yeah, it's kind of like." The difference between somebody who is working at MTV and somebody who works at a record store or a music store. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, this guy, if he had designed, if he, if somebody had hired Mark to hurt my feelings, he would have come up short than what he, he just did now. And it's worse that he doesn't even know I exist. And he nailed me so hard. And I was like, wow, what do I do with that? That hurt. It, like it rattled me. And then, it, yeah, yeah. But then it kind of made me be like, I gotta figure something out. Yeah, I pivotal. can't feel that again. Pivotal moment. It was, it was, it was foundational. You shook me to my core. Oh, that's great. So I'm, I, you know, I tell you, and and not mm. to be weird, but I mm. I always laugh at like I've never heard that story before, <laughs> and I've heard it many times. I'm just so happy it made the book like that. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. That's, it's nice that like I, yeah, I got to be honest. You know, as as you know, people I know people who write things and people that do things, and I I find generally speaking, I'm not, you know, uh, you know, given enough credit for their life. <laughs> <laughs> so I really appreciate uh-huh. you. No, I'm giving you full credit <laughs> for being a motivational force through, uh, like, like that was the the. Yeah. Sometimes people talk about just like the, yeah. like the the carrot or the stick right you gave me the stick (laughs) and that forced me into action i didn't Uh, need any more carrot i was uh, getting carrots at katz's yeah that was the cat yeah right right. yeah eat yeah eat and go right around the corner and then just go get well that's like this is like the a great book and i appreciate you you including me made me feel good no of course that was enough that's just the right amount of me 
Yeah, because you have a big life, you know. Yeah, you'd be weirded out if I put more. Tomorrow, you'd be just like just one what are you chapter called Mark. Going... <laughs> yeah, M A R C. You'd be just like, what, what's the <laughs> goal with yeah, this? Yeah, Why, yeah. Why? Because this doesn't sound good. Yeah. Like this part is a nice story, but this I don't know this part. It doesn't sound good. Yeah. Yeah. No, but uh, but I do appreciate it, and and people, you know, now that you know that I'm in it, that's gonna that's gonna move some. Product. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna move some copies. Uh, the book is. <laughs> It never ends. It's a memoir uh, by Tom, who we've been talking to over these last three segments. We got to do another Mark and Tom show. Yeah, let's do uh, it. But you can you can pre-order it at TomWroteABook.com. Or I don't even know. By that point, are we uh, done? You can get it. You can still get it there. You can. Then <laughs> you can you're, always. Then, then you're just ordering it. You're al- always get it. Mm-hmm. And I'm in it. I'm in the book. And also all the stuff about that time in high school when. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, well, let's yeah, all right, all right, they can get right, it. Yeah, I know. All right, good seeing you. Thanks, Mark. There you go, me and Sharpling. Again, uh, you can buy the book at TomWroteABook.com. It's called It Never Ends, A Memoir with Nice Memories. It comes out July 6th. And in it, you will find out what Tom's real name actually is, what happened to him in high school that he was going to take to his grave before writing this book, how his life almost ended on election night, in 2016, why he auditioned for the new monkeys. Yes, for real. He auditioned for the new monkeys. But you'll also get to enjoy Tom's writing and his humor and his uh, very real and very true underdog story. It's about living a life in comedy while managing trauma and mental illness. And the big thing is rising above whatever bad hand life has dealt you. It's a very Tom book. So if you don't know Tom, you know him a little better now. And now that you know that it's a bit, maybe you appreciate his humor better now. But this book is very Tom and uh, enjoy it. Okay? Okay, so now moving on to Quentin Tarantino. You know, with all you gossipy freaks and all you uh, obsessed, shallow people really want to know about anybody, you have to understand, like, and, and, but this, you know, for fans too. That uh, the best that can happen here on my show is is people are who they are, and uh, and I felt we had a couple of uh, we had some prolonged moments, me and Mr. Tarantino, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. This is me talking to Quentin. Uh, the book "Once Upon a Time in Hollywood," a novel, comes out uh, tomorrow, June 29th. This is me and Quentin. <laughs> Macro. Hey, Hold on. I'm, 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 yeah. did you get a chance to read the book or scum through it or something? I read the whole book. Oh, you did? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I read the whole book. Wow. I'm, um, wait, okay, well, you, you officially make the 10th person I've met so far. Oh, really? Read the out book. Of, but out of how many, though? All right, uh, it's ten, not out. I've only, no, you're literally the 10th person I've met who has read it. All right. right. And, and, and eight of them work for me. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to. <laughs> they had to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're the first person to, be, uh, yeah. to read it that doesn't have... That uh, didn't have to. Well, I mean... skin in the game, you know. <laughs> well, I'll tell you... Uh, oh, hold on a minute. Comedy store avails. Hold on. Uh, didn't I just meet you at the store? I'm sure you did. Yeah. We, like we, you were we, in the back? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. All in all week. I've been back at it. Oh, great. You can move that thing in. Okay, go. Yeah. Hey, I have to also what? let you know. Yeah. Your whole... It's been years since yeah. I've done 
you know, like at parties or at a dinner, yeah. done a comedian's entire routine. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, and I, I've been known to do that for all my life, but it's been a year since I've done it. Yeah. The whole hat routine. Oh, the hat. <laughs> I can do that. I can do the whole fucking thing. I can do the whole <laughs> fucking thing. I do it good. All right. And I did it at a fucking dinner and I, of Israelis and they were fucking laughing their asses you off. You killed with my hat bit? I killed with your hat bit. Oh, that's... A, it that's might a... as well have been my hat bit as far as they were concerned. Well, I, I think that's great. <laughs> that, I love that bit. I love doing it's that great. bit. It's great. Yeah. The, the, the children's story. Someone made a children's book. Oh, they Someone, they, they asked me, like, do you want me to write the book? I'm like, sure, go ahead, write the book. Well, here's the thing, is you know how you know you have such a good routine? Oh. When somebody memorizes it from hearing it once. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's actually how good it is. That you can actually say it after only hearing it once. Yeah. I, only, I only needed to hear a Carlin bit once yeah. to do it. But don't you have like a, a miraculous memory? I've got a good memory, but I mean, but nevertheless. Yeah. I mean, because I tried to, there's uh-huh. some bits that I remember. I remember a few old jokes, mm-hmm. but and there, but for me, it's not the whole bit usually. If someone has a good turn of phrase yeah, or yeah. a good punchline, mm-hmm. that because to me, that's what comedy, it kind of blows your mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, you know that yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's like a turn well, of, yeah. you do it in films. Yeah. Like all of a sudden you're like, yeah. what? How did that, how did we get yeah. here? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I can't do Carlin's entire euphemism sure, bit, but sure. I can do like uh, sections. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but but like his AM FM and, and oh yeah sure and class plan oh no I can do bits yeah 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 that bit like <laughs> no, I've heard them a zillion fucking times I thought he was the smartest man I'd ever heard in my life when I was a kid yeah was he your was he your comic guy absolutely really absolutely no. him him and Richard Pryor but I would put him above and were you, but were you always a comic fan because yeah. I know that there were people like I remember Kathy Griffin showed up in yeah. Pulp Fiction oh yeah yeah but you uh-huh. don't use a ton of comics but no, they're kind of around no him. but especially then though yeah. I did I mean the, that was one of the weird things. <laughs> That's one of the funny things about Pulp Fiction is you're yeah. watching and there's John Travolta and there's Bruce Willis and then there's random Groundlings guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's random Groundlings girl. Were you going to the Groundlings a lot? Yeah, I actually had, uh, I was friends with Julia Sweeney at the time. Right. And Kathy Griffin. Yeah. And, and, and they were all involved with the Groundlings. So I, I actually did the little Groundlings show. Oh, was, you did? Their Sunday show. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. You got on stage and did yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And did I you, was a guest. Oh, did you do well? Yeah, I did really good. You like to improvise? Yeah, well, especially since the thing about actually, I actually I got the one of the best compliments I ever got. Yeah. All right, which was um, I wanted to join the Groundlings back when I first moved to Los Angeles. Yeah. Which, you know, trying to you know, be an actor to some degree. Yeah. But I wasn't a millionaire, so right. I wasn't able to join those ridiculously expensive classes. Right. Yeah, I mean, you have to be a fucking millionaire. Right. To afford those. Right, classes. right, right. And so I couldn't do it. And then they also were discouraging. They were like, because uh, I was thinking, oh, hey, maybe if you do good, then you yeah. get to be in the, uh, get to be in, uh, All right, so you got to jump through all the And they're like, shoes. no, 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 and then I'm gonna do the guest bit on their Sunday show, right? And they, uh, uh, and you know, I, I literally it was the time of Pulp Fiction, so right. it was like a big deal. Yeah. And so uh, Kathy Griffin was teaching uh, an improv class, right? And so the whole class came down to watch the show, right? And then after it was over, she goes, "Well, Quentin, you did so good." 
I had to lie to them and tell them you had improv experience. <laughs> that was like, yes, yeah. what a compliment. <laughs> I, so yeah, so the the thing about like, I read the whole book mm-hmm. and then I rewatched the movie, uh-huh. mm-hmm. sort of like alongside of it yeah, yeah, uh-huh, a bit. Yeah. But like the book is so fucking good. Oh, thank you. Like, I mean, it's really entertaining. Even after, like, because I, when I got it, I'd mm. seen the movie and I'm like, well, what, what is it going to be? <laughs> But it's its own thing. Yeah, it's totally its own thing. Mm-hmm. And and the backstory on 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 Booth on yeah. Cliff. Yeah, is so like how like I I watch I, I watch Brad Pitt's performance, but yeah. there's no way to know oh. just the depth of that guy. Did oh. you know that before you wrote the script? Uh oh, that's uh some yes, some no. Okay, uh-huh. I knew about his war record. I sure. knew about the the war thing. I hadn't asked myself the questions about how did he get Brandy. All right, that was a bu- book. That's thing. like a whole chapter of the dog. Yeah, well, that's one of the best chapters in the book. I know, yeah. It's great. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Like, and also it leads to the. You know, I don't want to spoil too much, yeah, but yeah. you know, it, it is established that yeah. not only did he kill in the war, yeah, not yeah. only did he kill his wife, but there <laughs> there might be a couple other ones. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's. Actually, a murderer. A murderer, yeah. And one of it sort of revolves around the dog a bit, yeah, right? right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, part of my idea, is, uh, yeah. uh, since he's such an enigma in the in, yeah. in the movie, right. was to um, flesh out his character in the book where like, you go to these little chapters yeah. that go back in time. And each of those chapters is like a little pulp novel unto itself right. starring Cliff. <laughs> yes, right. And even the, But then you you almost do like the entire uh, uh, Lancer story yeah, they do. Yeah, from, uh, from, the, uh, from the show. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, like, mm-hmm. you get this whole backstory that's pretty rich, yeah. you know, and almost like uh, you go into those characters, yeah. but not as if it were the show, but like... No, it, but like it's a real... Like, like it's a all pub- of a sudden you're watching a... You're reading a, a Louis L'Amour Western Exa- novel. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. You, yeah. you go through the whole thing of that. Yeah. But there are some bits... In- that was just my... The, I thought it was yeah. just an interesting thing to break it up and also thought it would be fun to try to write a Western novel this, and, and cram Within it... the novel? In, cram it in, into this one. Right. You know? And it doesn't end like the movie. It, yeah, yeah. Like this... It, there, it's a sweet ending. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, yes. Uh-huh. And it's sort of uh, you know they, I mean okay here's a couple a couple of things that I just need to know if because you've, you've been talking a lot about you know this is it mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean I I spent the entire quarantine just being like I don't really need comedy I'm you know maybe I'm all better maybe maybe life is. <laughs> Maybe I fixed it, and I don't have to do I'm, it. I'm healed. Yeah, exactly. Like, wow, you, if you if no one's doing nothing, mm-hmm. then that's off the table, right? Yeah. Like, usually, I don't know about you, but I'm driven by a certain amount of spite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but, uh-huh. you know, it's like, I'm not doing anything. Then you have that moment during the pandemic, like, no one is. Wow. Yeah, right, yeah. I, I can really take some time to myself. <laughs> yeah, right. What did you find out about yourself? Oh, gosh. Um, well, it's a... It was weird for me because yeah. I, I wasn't, I, I couldn't be ridiculous, not reflective in that way because yeah. my pandemic literally coincided with the first year my child was born. Well, that's, but that's different for you. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so, you, know, so, you have no so, control so I, over that. Yes, exactly. So, I, so I was like looking on the inside, but not just because I was stuck in the house. Right. <laughs> I yeah, was yeah. like now reliving my childhood through this baby. Were you? Is <laughs> yeah. that what happened? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What are your, like, I, it, it's interesting. He's like, like 15 months right now. Because for how, like, I, because that was one of my questions is like, maybe one of the reasons he keeps talking about retirement is he might want to spend time in real life. Yeah, no, that's no that that is part of it. Yeah, that is part of it. You know, uh, the first part of uh, the first half of the year that I was there was me finishing the book up. So right. great, 
I'm in my room. I'm I'm typing away. Doing what you do. Doing my thing. And then when I I, I stop and, oh, hey, look at what he's doing over here. All right. right. Yeah, yeah, Quentin, yeah, yeah. come in here quick, quick, yeah, quick. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's doing this. He's, yeah. he's pointing and he means it. So you run in there. <laughs> he's pointing and he means it. It's not just gas. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's exciting. That was really exciting. So, like, what do you, like, what is your experience as a, as a grown man now? Like, I don't know, you know, who you are emotionally, but it seems like you, you obviously, it, it's no uh, uh, leap of, uh, of of logic to think that you live in a fantasy world on yeah, some level. Yeah, but uh, like, what is it? Because I don't have kids, yeah, and you're my age. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you did it, right? So is it great? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about it is, from hearing you talk and yeah. your, uh, both on this show and then in your, your routines. Before I got married, we were probably ridiculously similar. Oh, yeah. All right. Just right. like, you know, it's been me and me alone. And I'm okay, and, though. And I'm okay. Yeah. I was I was okay. Yeah. I was very happy. I mean, people came and went. Yeah, but... yeah, exactly. No, people came and went. That's exactly with me. People yeah. came and went. Yeah. All right. Uh, the people I paid stayed. Yeah. <laughs> and um, The ones who read the book. Yeah, exactly. The ones, yeah, the ones who have read the book before yeah. you. And uh, so I was, uh, uh, yeah, and I was very happy with that. And I spent my time you yeah. know, watch, watching the movies, going down whatever little cinematic rabbit hole I wanted to do, because that was all I had to do until right. I made a movie. Right. Then I was off doing something. Right. Yeah. And, and then in between those times, I was like living the life that I would have that I would have lived in my twenties if I had the money to. <laughs> like, like, but what? Like, I have a hard time ima- imagining what that is sometimes because, like, I read. Did you read that book? What's that guy's name? By. Uh, uh, Stratton, the Wild Bunch book. Oh no, uh-uh. it's a book about the making of the Wild Bunch. Oh no, I don't think I have. But it's sort of amazing, like because like I, I assume you mentioned Peck and Paw here and there. Yeah, you yeah. mentioned certainly the guys who were in Peck and Paw movies. Yeah, and certainly in oh, definitely Peck and Paw. I love Peck and Paw. Well, it's so good. Yeah, but like in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like you, you're. Your your passion and love for just not only the community of of, of show business, you know, and change, you know, mm-hmm. at that time and up through the seventies, but the lives of these guys, yeah, like you know, directors, not not you, mm-hmm. but like you know, Peckinpah was like, how did he even wake up? To yeah. do the fucking movie, yeah. and like, what what does he do? Like, he's out there, like, you know, beating people up, drinking. They're up on, and, and and then like he rents a a Mexican town, yeah, and uh-huh. you don't even know if it. But you don't you don't live that life. No, no, no. Well, well, I'm not. Yeah. Well, what, I, you know, in the book, yeah, there's a talk about that to some degree or another with Aldo talk, Ray. Or? Uh, yeah. Well, no, no, about how alcoholism was kind of accepted back sure, then. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Because. These were men that had hard lives. They That's drank. right. You made the connection that it was accepted because when they came back from the war, yes. because of PTSD, mm-hmm. that, you know, they had to do something. They had to do something. And then it's like, you know, and, and if it wasn't from the war, then like they grew up in a fucking coal mining town or they did this or that. that they, I or, mean, they, or just it was their dad. Yeah. yeah and, you know, and, and, you know, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about Cary Grant, but I'm talking about rough men. Yes. That were actually acted in movies and starred in TV shows that were badass motherfuckers. We don't have anybody like that now. No, because. It's not allowed. How are you yeah. going to get away with it? Every, yeah. There's no, there's no, ba- there's no. You, no, I don't even mean. I don't mean even mean uh, the alcoholism. I mean just that breed of man. There's people there, that want to think they are. There's no Lee Marvin walking around. There's no, no Charles Bronson walking around. No, no. I mean, I mean, not even close. No, no. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so what? Charlize Theron is closer to Charles Bronson than any man out there. Isn't that weird? Because there's so many of these men that aspire to some strange sense of alpha or some strange sense of masculinity, mm-hmm. but none of it has the grit that those guys did because we're too far away from it. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, it's kind of ridiculous about the idea that, like, Robert Aldrich goes yeah. to cast 
the Dirty Dozen. Oh, yeah. He throws a rock in a tree. Yeah. And Charles Bronson and Telly Savalas and John Cassavetes fall out. He throws another rock. Jim fucking Brown yeah. falls out of the tree. Yeah. He throws another rock. Yeah. And it's boom, boom, boom. Okay. You couldn't cast one of those guys now. Yeah. Now you get, you know, a grown up guy who used to be on the OC. Right. <laughs> <laughs> who you used. Uh, you, you used Luke Perry, Beverly Hills 90210, right? That was him. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I, it was, I, I had to go back twice to realize, like, oh, that's Luke Perry. That's who that is. And then you use those old guys. Yeah. Like, I, uh, there's uh, certain things that keep coming back to me from the movie. And I know they're sort of like, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, where's Waldo for film mm. nerds? But, yeah. like, the Maltese Falcon was sitting there on the counter. Yes, yes. And that's an easy one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so what was, you were just sort of like, I'm just well, going to stick this here? Well, no, it's a bookstore. Okay. It's a famous book. Okay. Okay, that's like, actually something the uh, oh, so it's uh, not uh, not necessarily the real Maltese Falcon no, right? here, if there here, ever was they're one. saying that it's the real Maltese Falcon alright it's not yeah. however we could have used the real Maltese Falcon because right. Leo owns the real Maltese Falcon <laughs> It didn't occur to me. <laughs> it wasn't necessary. After we shot it, I yeah. said, hey, could we have used your really good? Of course you could have. <laughs> I go, oh, that would have been fucking awesome. But instead, we just bought uh, like a, a, a replica. Uh, just, uh, so the, well, the, that would have been more authentic to the store. Yeah. than they would have the real Maltese right, Falcon. Right, Arthur's yeah. bookstore would right. have not had the real Maltese right. Falcon. I see, does the real one have the, the, the marks on it from Sydney Green Street? No, going, it, <laughs> no I, think they threw, I think they threw that one away. But the real one, it's the real one's not totally black. The real yeah. one, because it was made for black and white film. Oh, interesting. The real one yeah. has a reddish, yeah. reddish tone to it. Yeah. Now, like, uh, you know, I had Mark Harris on the show. Yeah. Uh, I, my favorite film writer. The best. My favorite film writer. Like, I, I read that book, uh, Pictures at the Revolution. Yeah. I know. Mag- magnificent. Right, it, it, the but, best yeah. film book I've read in, in years. All the levels. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, somehow he's able to capture just, you know, not the filmmaking, but the politics and the production mm-hmm. politics, like, all of it. And then the idea yeah. that of all those five films- Yeah. It was Dr. Doolittle that had the most wackadoo shoot. Dude, uh, when you read that, aren't you like, didn't you think like who should, someone should make this movie? Yeah. Right? The movie <laughs> yeah. about like right. the making of Dr. Doolittle? The I mean, Rex yeah, Harrison? Exactly. Like, I mean, that actually, you could put it along with, with the making of Easy Rider, it seems it's like. crazy. <laughs> yeah. With the bugs. Yeah. And just the whole thing, the and animals. The, and the vicious fighting with his wife constantly through the production. Oh, yeah. Rex Harrison. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and then that weird sea monster that yeah. they had to drag out there. Yeah. The, the, uh, the, the pink gi- snail. The, the pink giant snail. snail. Yeah. Oh, geez, man. I fucking loved it. But was that, because there's been a couple of, of books written about you know this period that you capture in, in mm-hmm. the book and in the movie. You know, I guess Easy Riders, Raging Bulls, and whatever. Yeah, yeah. The, and then, and but then the five, the pictures of the revolution really kind of it really illustrates. Well, that's the, the year. Transition. That's the year it starts. I mean, New Hollywood basically starts with um, 1967 with yeah. you know you know with the uh, um, Bonnie and Clyde, yeah. and the Graduate, yeah. and to some degree something like Dirty Dozen, which yeah. was looked as looked looked at as an answer to even though I don't think Aldrich meant it yeah. as an answer to Vietnam that's interesting about your movies I noticed too about this one you don't mention Nixon ever you don't really do politics do you uh, well how do you see it yeah oh no well it's just it just never kind of came up with those characters those I guess characters are pretty uh, uh, I hear you they're talking about Bobby Kennedy on the radio in yeah, yeah. one scene oh no in the thing yeah yeah yeah. well the Manson girl mentions like you know who wants to oh, yeah, watch yeah, stupid Vietnam. movies where yeah, yeah. <laughs> people are being murdered every day in yeah. Vietnam yeah <laughs> <laughs> I uh the the um the Manson rabbit well, hole. Actually, I do mention one thing in there. What? 
when it is revealed about what happened with Cliff and the hippies at the house, how Rick Dalt, I mean, uh, Rick, Rick becomes a, a, a bit of a hero to Nixon's silent majority. Oh, right. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah, though yeah. he's a Democrat. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, that's right. Yeah. I, uh, and he's like down with it. Okay. Hey, as long as I'm a hero somewhere, I'm, I'm you, good. You know, what I was very grateful for is that you do explain the, the weird chunk of billboard. Yeah. <laughs> like in the movie, you don't. Do yeah, you? Uh, no. In this, it's oh, yeah. like the whole backstory yeah, of that. The, what the fuck is this? Weird thing? What, is, what the fuck is that? <laughs> you never know. But if there's a full explanation and backstory yeah. to the piece. Of, I didn't even know it was his face. Yeah. <laughs> did you? What did you think about that when you're putting the movie together? Like, I don't. I'm not explaining this. Well, you can't explain everything, and you don't need to explain. But it takes everything. up so much of the frame. Yes, I know. But it's like, well, well, fuck uh, it. Do you have to explain everything that's in your house? All right, I come by. I can. You, I you guess. Got some yeah. Weird and thing. you could. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could, but uh, yeah, I don't need you to. All right. What's the <laughs> yeah. deal with that painting? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. What's going I get on? it. You know? I get it. Hey, where did that fucking weird statue of the but nymph come but, from? But but well, I'll tell you where that came from. The uh-huh. lady who lived here before left it, uh-huh. and I, I mean, I'm not quite embarrassed about it, but I got to do yeah. something with it. Also, I had a lot of story to tell, so you know. <laughs> I didn't need to spend ten minutes on the billboard, <laughs> but you. But I know, but, I mean, but, but you uh, asked yourself the question. No, but to ask yourself to answer yeah. that even more though yeah. is, I actually think it seems real and full of vermicitude that you don't explain stuff that it, it's just there because he has a life, right? And there is an explanation, but I'm not telling it to the audience. Sure, but he knows. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. It was just it was just sort of wild to me because from right at the beginning of the movie, this thing is taken up a lot. It's like a, its own part. <laughs> yeah, and you're sort of like, the fuck is that? And every time you see it, you're like, the fuck is that? So, <laughs> which is fine, you know. But, <laughs> I'm sure if I drove around your neighborhood, I would find at least four houses and you would say, like, what, what the, the fuck, fuck is that? that? Oh, sure. Or how about when you drive around and you're like, was that always there? Yeah. You know, <laughs> the laser tag place? Well, who's at the laser tag place? Does anyone go there? Right. So I, uh, Ned Beatty just died. You didn't work with him. No, I never did. You loved him though, right? I loved Ned Beatty. He was so great. Yeah. And you remember, do you, do you know, that, that place on, uh, what's it, Beachwood or whatever? Yeah. He lived right across the street from that cafe. Oh, yeah, way on up Beachwood. there. Yeah, yeah, And you yeah. every once in a while, you'd see him and his kids out on the front lawn while you're eating your breakfast. It was like a craftsman, right? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, because like I, I think we have a, a similar experience. When I was a, a kid, my grandparents were in town, and for some reason, they took me and my little brother to see Deliverance. Yeah, uh-huh. When it was first showing, yeah, yeah, and you know, and I, all I remember is their looks of concern, me leaving the theater, yeah, <laughs> and, and and then my, but do you? I, yeah, I, I just, saw when I was eight. Yeah, and did what did it do to you? Well, here's the thing. Okay, okay. Not only did I see Deliverance that night, it was, yeah. my mom was on a date and she took me. We saw Deliverance on a double feature with the Wild Bunch. <laughs> Oh, that's so good. I mean, it's one of the greatest nights in movies in my life. Right. right it yeah. defined who you are. Yeah. And um, <laughs> that was where it was all laid out. Yeah. I mean, as far as I was concerned, when I was watching The Wild Bunch, as yeah. far as I was concerned, yeah. they slashed Angel's throat. I mean, I, how else could you do that? Right. They just slashed his throat. So you thought that. Yeah. yeah and yeah. the blood like hit the fucking lens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, when I saw uh, okay, uh, Deliverance yeah. scared the fuck out of me. Yeah. When I saw it. it Hillbilly monsters. Oh yeah, it was sort of like creepy hill people. After I saw it mm. for a while, I didn't want to go camping. Because mm. I thought that that could sure. happen. Oh, yeah, if of course. You go camping. Of the, course. Way, the way people were scared of yeah. the beach after Jaws sure. was how I was scared of camping. Yeah. Now, living with a single mom, I didn't really have to worry about that. She's yeah. not going to buy a bunch of Coleman stoves and uh, go and, and go camping with yeah. me. So yeah. I didn't I need not worry. Yeah. But that was the thing. But here was the thing about it though also, watching Deliverance. I didn't know 
he was being fucked up the ass. Me too. Until I watched it again recently. Yeah. Well, I've known since then, but yes. I guess, but when I was a little boy, I didn't know he I didn't know he was sticking his dick up his right. ass. Right. All right. I didn't I didn't even know what sodomy was of course. at that time. Right. All right. But I knew he was being humiliated. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, and and he was being humiliated, yes. all right? He was being dominated. Yes, he was. I knew yeah. that. Well, any kid can understand that because you've had some situation right. with somebody humiliating you and domi- right. trying he to dominate you. felt bad for the fat man in his underpants. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because I was sort of surprised by like what we can register and what we can't register because I watched it again recently. Mm-hmm. And it's like, not only is he fucking him in the ass, but he's really fucking him. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's clear oh, yeah, that's yeah. what's happening. Oh, yeah. But my childhood memory is just sort of like, why are they hurting? The, the fat guy in his underwear. Yeah, no, it's like a, uh, I mean. And also, those guys are shitty. Yeah, oh, well, they're, they're scary as fuck. Yeah. All right. But the thing is, though, the sodomy yeah. went right over my head. Of course. But the meaning of the rape was right there. Right. Domination. Right. Humiliation. Right. That is what it's about. Right. Yes. Right. <laughs> the rape is a byproduct of that. So you knew that. So I knew what was going on. Without knowing the particulars. Right, and it's haunting. Yeah, yeah. But what was more haunting was that guy's teeth. And that, yeah, like, yeah, But yeah, like yeah. that whole scene, like I didn't remember any of it. I watched it like maybe even during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I wanted to watch it again. Yeah. I watched it during the pandemic with, with a couple of uh, 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 guys from Israel who had never seen it before. And they had no idea what was going to happen. Right. Yeah, so oh, it was great it. watching. It was great watching it with two grown men. Oh, this is who no don't, good. Who don't know where <laughs> yeah, this yeah, is going to yeah. go. And, and the movie does not... The movie, no. The movie... Let's you know something is going to happen. Right. But it doesn't hint at all yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, you think it's probably going to be a mishap. Right, it, right. You know, in, and in the river after. The, and then, like, there was that piece of meat hanging out of Bert's leg. Yeah. Oh, the, I know. Yeah. <laughs> this is like giant flank of, yeah. <laughs> of meat hanging out of it's his like, wetsuit. Well, like, he's our guy. How can he be, how yeah, can he be he's, sidelined? He's down. Yeah. And then when they find what's his name, like, all bent up. And yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was sort of, so that was sort of defining. And I noticed in the towards the end of the book, you put that man in there. Yeah. You put Curtis in. Yeah, uh-huh. was was he your stepdad? He's my stepdad. Come? Yeah, and he was the guy that brought you to that movie. Yeah, he uh, no, he 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 was gone by that time. Oh, now my mom was now my mom was divorced by this time, and she was a. Uh, uh, dating uh, and she took me on a date so what was curtis it. like because in the book is that bar real yeah it's a real bar what's that it the called bar, uh, the drinker's hall of fame yeah is it still there no i i i'm imagining it's not there right uh it was in san gabriel uh oh. i remember it i remember i thought it was like so cool all the cool oh you went with him? yeah he took me there a couple of times so curtis what's his last name uh, curtis astapil so astapil so he played piano and guitar yeah uh-huh. and he and he worked at that bar yeah he worked at that bar he, he worked at uh he worked at a few bars the t- two that i remember that had great names was the, the drinkers hall of fame yeah. and one called my old kentucky home oh yeah mm-hmm. and was he a good musician yeah he was good and he was you would call you'd consider him a stepdad Oh, he actually was my stepdad because he was there for the longest. Yeah, 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 he, yeah, absolutely. And he was there at the really formative, formative time. Like, but he like, helped form you. Yeah, two. Yeah, exactly. Two, two to you know, seven or eight. Yeah, and what was it about him that like you know really kind of wired your brain? Well, one of the things about it. Well, it's a couple things. Yeah. One it was the fact that his presence. He was there. Yeah. He was there, and one sure. of the, one of the things was. My mom was a nurse. Yeah. So she was working during. So before I started going to school. Yeah. She was working during the day. Yeah. He worked at night. Yeah. Because he was a piano bar musician. So he was home all day long. Right. So he. So I was with him all day. What'd you do? Well, he, he play we piano. Did, we did a zillion things together. No, he never taught me an instrument. But yeah. uh, but it was like a, he did all kinds of things. Whenever and he took me with him wherever. Yeah. Whenever you know, we went to diners and had something. To, we had lunch. Did he smoke? 
Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, like a chimney. Yeah. All right. But like, you know, he had buddies, so he went and saw his buddies and yeah. just took me with him. Yeah. You know, uh, um, we, uh, we went to see a ton of movies. We had a thing that we went to see, We had a whole thing that went on for as long as I was with him at a certain point that we went to the movies every Monday night. Oh, that's Every nice. single Monday night, yeah, no yeah, matter yeah. what. Yeah. To all those movie theaters that you had in this book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then like, you know, and if there was nothing else playing, we saw something we liked again. Wow. It, so what, what part of Hollywood were you, or Los Angeles were you living in? Uh, that was, uh, uh, it, it started when I was like living in Alhambra. Okay, yeah. All yeah. right. Uh, and then we moved to El Segundo. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. But so you had a, to drive into the city. It was a thing. Yeah, no, no. no we saw like like in, uh, when we lived in Alhambra, we went to like the theaters that were in that uh, uh, area, in yeah. that East LA area, Montebello yeah, yeah. area. Yeah, yeah, Montebello yeah. and uh, El Monte area. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I can remember the name of all of them, frankly. Yeah. And then uh, when we moved to El Segundo, then we went to, uh, like the, uh, in particularly, there was like two cinemas right by where the uh, LAX is. Okay. Uh, there was uh, one cinema, called, it, they're still there, they're just office buildings now. There was the Loyola on one end of, yeah. of uh, Sepulveda yeah. and the uh, Paradise on the other right, end right. of Sepulveda. Yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, we'd drive into Marina Del Rey and go to the UA Marina Del Rey theater which was a multiplex yeah little projector thing yeah 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 and you know what that's actually called funky fanfare and and it is a funky fanfare that was the coming attraction yeah the coming attraction thing yeah we play that in front of every movie at the new beverly yeah right that's where i saw it recently then yeah yeah right because every movie starts with that you gotta have that right and don't you You gotta have it and don't you have the concession stand thing the little oh yeah yeah yeah, we always have a little one little concession stand store yeah so so this guy was around for a while now because i was trying to figure out because look when i was a kid you know, for some reason, I had uh, an obsession with 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 old Hollywood, but it wasn't because I watched movies. I was obs- I was literally obsessed with the pictures of old actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't even know why, but I could mm-hmm. name a lot of them without knowing their movies. And yeah, yeah. I, and oh I, yeah, okay. I found it so compelling, just the black and whites. And I remember mm-hmm. I got obsessed with. Um, you know these tabloid magazines they oh, used yeah, to yeah. have, yeah. the Fatty Arbuckle, uh, Hollywood thing Confidential, the, things like those that, kind yeah. of things, right? Because they used to have them at the Skaggs Drugstore yeah, next yeah. to the True Detective stuff. And but I, I, I never became a full-on old movie guy. But for some reason, I became really enthralled with just the way they looked. Yeah, uh-huh. like that these guys were all dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there, there they are. Well, when I was like around that time in the early 70s, 71, yeah. 72, 73, I was. Really connected, especially when it came to movie stars and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I was really connected to one, the Universal Monsters. Yeah. And I was really connected to the old time, uh, 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 Old time comedians. So it's like, so like so, especially W. C. Fields. I was really, really, really into W. C. Fields, and I was really, really into Abbott and Costello. Oh, but yeah. I also really liked Laurel and Hardy, and I, I so didn't love the Mar- I didn't love the Marx Brothers that much. I, I liked them, but I didn't love them. I still don't. I tried again. Mm-hmm. There's some part. There, do you ever have those things? I don't know if you suffer from that, where you're like, mm-hmm. I should like this. Yeah. Well, I I love Groucho's running bits. Yeah. All right. The, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, Groucho's mile a minute bits yeah, are yeah. fantastic, yeah. especially when he's with the the, the, the woman. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, Dumont. The, the Battle Axe Woman, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, um, W.C. Fields was your guy. Yeah, but W.C. Fields was my guy. I don't yeah. know what it was about W.C. Fields. Yeah. I just thought he was hysterical. I I loved him in the movies. I loved a cartoon of him. I loved statues of him. I, loved I remember those statues. Any kind of yeah. uh, 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 a caricature of W.C. Fields, I just thought was the greatest thing ever. Because he was snotty to kids. Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't even and I I don't even know if I understood what he was saying. I just thought he I liked him. Isn't that weird? It's because uh-huh. it's like this weird cranky vulnerability. It's a weird. It's a very strange and unique comic type to be you know that cranky or that angry. Yeah, and, yeah. But can, you can't help but be funny. Yeah. There's so few of yeah. them. But you then know. also the I mean the idea though that like something like uh, um. You never give a second an even break. It's so ridiculously surreal. Oh. And the idea to be a little boy and to watch that kind of surreal movie. Yeah. And it doesn't take place in this any kind of world right. that we know of with the yeah. rules and the laws, yeah. you know, that exist uh, uh, just don't apply. Well, yeah. yeah and then, but uh, And like... What is going on here? But then Kurt is laughing hysterically, so I guess it's okay. Yeah. So now I'm laughing too. <laughs> At the weird place. <laughs> the, one of the other things with Kurt, though, was um, I'm positive he wasn't a movie expert, but he knew stuff. Yeah, he was sure. an adult man. He yeah. knew movies. He right. knew stuff. He knew actors' names. Right. You know? So um, we'd be watching movies in the afternoon on, on television. Yeah. And he would just like, you know, Point out an actor. You're like, oh, that's Roddy McDowell. Right. I really like Roddy McDowell. I really like Roddy McDowell when he's playing an asshole. All right, yeah. Roddy right. McDowell's a good asshole. Yeah, I, 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 I dig him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like he's playing an asshole in this. Movie. Yeah, that's yeah. great. All right, <laughs> all right, all right. Okay. Uh, oh, that's uh, uh, Aldo Ray. All right, yeah, that's right. whoever. Sure. All right, or something else that he would do is like. Uh, we went to the movies and we saw the uh, Disney version of Swiss Family Robinson. Yeah. All right. So then we'd be watching a movie and then uh, the actor Thomas Mitchell walks in. Right. And he goes, oh, Thomas Mitchell. Okay, you see, that guy, Quentin, he played the father in Swiss Family Robinson in the original Swiss Family Robinson. Yeah. All right, so you just point out things like that. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, they move around. Yeah. They, oh, there, yeah. Was, there was one before that? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was like in the 30s. Yeah, yeah. And that's the father. He was the father. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so as a little boy, yeah. I thought, Wow, one of the things that's so good when you become an adult is you become an expert on movies. You know every actor who's done, who's in every movie you watch, yeah. you know everything they've done, yeah. and you're an expert. Yeah. Wow, I can't wait to be an adult so I can be an expert on movies. Yeah. I better start paying attention now. Yeah. Okay, well, little did I know that, no, you don't become, most people don't become an expert on movies but when they become an adult. Yeah. The- but I did because yeah. I was like boning up for it all right but that's what stuck you're like this is what i want to do yes like it was that compelling but i just thought it was a rite of passage right in your brain (laughs) yeah yeah exactly because some kids are like sports whatever but you're like no movies yeah this is like it never ends yeah (laughs) it could go on forever but at that time did you know that your real dad had set out to be in movies no i didn't really quite they had tried to explain it to me but since kurt was so much as far as i was concerned my father right their explanation didn't make any sense. It was just mush. Right. And so I just Like that there was it. another guy. And yeah, that, I yeah. didn't really get it. Yeah. I mean, there was, I remember, um, uh, because I was born Tarantino, his name was Zastapil, but he actually adopted me. Okay. So I would have his last name. Yeah. And I remember them taking me to the uh, adoption process that I had to talk to the judge. Oh, yeah. And they go, okay, so Quentin, yeah. here's what this is about. Yeah. And so they explain it all to me and da 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 da. Uh-huh. And then they bring, and I remember this, they bring me into the office and I meet with the judge. Okay, so now, Quentin, <laughs> do you know why you're here? No. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? We just spent 15 minutes explaining to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Quentin, let me tell you why you're here. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. <laughs> we walked outside. <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> These people kidnapped me, and I don't know what they're trying to do, Judge. 
but uh, uh, yeah, so I didn't really. Uh, so it wasn't until a bit later, yeah, that when I got a little older, that I realized, oh, okay, he's my stepdad and my mom, and this, uh, and but I, I never went by the. I didn't even know about the name Tarantino really at that time. You didn't. I, I was Zastapil. That was my name all through. All through, I was always known as by that. That's what I. Quentin that's how, Zastapil. That's how I learned to write. That's what I learned that's when a, I first learned to write. I learned to write. That's a good one to learn to write. Yeah. I mean, as far as training yourself to yeah. write things. I mean, actually, I, I've always liked. That's the. That's almost the Ellis Island spelling uh, pronunciation. Yeah. The real uh, pronunciation is Zastupil. Yeah, which I think kind, is cooler. What kind of name is it? I think it's Czechoslovakian. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so the Tarantino thing didn't happen until later. Yeah, and I never knew him at all. So, like when I took the name, when I took the name Tarantino of like around eighteen or nineteen, it was yeah. simply because it sounded cool. Quentin it was Tar- Italian. Yeah, yeah. It sounded Quentin Tarantino sounded like a cool name. It had nothing to do with him, and it had nothing to do with the family. It was simply just I thought it was a cool sounding name. Right, but it, but it is your and name. It, and it had a, yeah, and it is my name. Yeah, and it had a, a and it. But it also had the benefit of uh, uh, reinvention because I had never used it. Right, right. Exciting new thing. But you're the, one of the few guys that you know creates a stage name that's actually your actual name. Yeah, exactly. Because you had yeah. Zastapool, yeah. which would not have been as compelling yeah. as Tarantino probably. Well, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't use the name Tarantino. If I had to do it all over again, I would- uh, uh, Call yourself Burt Reynolds? No, no, I would- I've, <laughs> I wish. Uh, I would. Uh, I would use my my middle name, which, which is, is Jerome, as my last name. I would be Quentin Jerome. Really? Yeah. Huh. I think I think you made the right choice. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I I get it. But <laughs> but when did you did you at some point investigate your real father? No. All right. Because yeah. Well, he had thirty fucking years to find me. All right, and he never did. But then when I became famous, he crawled out of the woodwork. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what was that like? Fucking horrible. Really? Yeah, it was a drag. It was a drag. What did he do? Well, he just, you know, he just. Uh, hey, buddy. Yeah, he tried. He, <laughs> he tried to reach out to me. Uh, I, I wasn't interested, and then all of a sudden, uh, this woman named Jamie Bernard wrote a a, a book about me, the first biography yeah. about me. Uh, <laughs> I had done two movies. Yeah. Right? And the book was called Quentin Tarantino: The Man and His Movies. Both two of, movies. Both of them. <laughs> we're, we're just uh, Reservoir Dogs and- uh, Yeah, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. yeah. So it's like the man in his movies. It's like, a little yeah. premature. Yeah, both of them. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so she was kind of the expert on me at that moment in time. And all of a sudden, like he got in contact with her. And uh-huh. then she's like, oh my God, I'm talking to the the father right, you know, that right. no one's ever talked to before. Right. So she does this whole interview with that guy. With him. Who knows Who nothing. I've never met. Yeah. Who I've never met. Yeah. And they print it, big piece, in Premier Magazine. Wow. It was so fucked up. I mean, it's like, it, it's you can't even say that he was like a bad dad and maybe his, you know that reflected on Quentin's life. No, he was not there. Or did he manufacture oh, a story? Well, he just he just talked about himself and talked yeah. about himself. And, yeah. And... Uh, and then the and um, the picture of him is him dressed in a black suit like a reservoir dog. Oh my god! Pointing a gun. Oh my yeah. god! It, yeah, it was it was pretty tasteless. So, so what did you have a confrontation with the guy? No, I just wanted him to go away. But you never talked to him. Look, one time. Yeah. One time. Did he ask you to be in a movie? No, no, no. Oh. Oh, okay, not, okay, that's something else. <laughs> okay, that's something else. Oh, it is. Okay, so. <laughs> He wanted to be an actor a long time ago, yeah. and then sometime in the 90s, yeah. him and Al Pacino's estranged father, Sal Pacino, no. hooked up 
and they started doing these straight-to-video movies. Really? Starring them. So you could actually put on the video box yeah. Pacino and Tarantino in, yeah. you know, and Silver Dudes with Guns or whatever they was called. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And so they started doing these straight-to-video movies. Did you watch him? No, I never saw him. I didn't want to. I, I didn't even want to know what the guy looks like. It's hilarious. Uh, the 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 movie. The only movies you won't watch. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, oddly enough, to yeah. actually to, to, I actually think there is something. Like I'm not into this dude. Right. But I actually think there is something, kind of sweet. Yeah. About the idea that, the son that he never saw ever allowed him to have somewhat of a yeah. semblance of the career that he was never able to get on his own. Yeah. I actually think there's something sweet about that. Right. I, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's done as exploitively as possible, but nevertheless, he was able to end up living his dream doing these straight-to-video movies, act, st- acting and playing roles, and, and, and my fame gave him that. I mean, there's a, the, that, I'm compassionate enough to appreciate that. Yeah. I think that's actually kind of a good thing. Yeah. If he had been cool... Yeah, and hadn't tried to horn in. Yeah, and he had just had some class. Yeah, I would actually be all down. I, I might have even looked him up. Right. Yeah, if he yeah. had, if he had had class. Right. So. So then one day, uh, I was I was in a cafe. Yeah. And I'm uh, in a cafe. I I'm ordering something, and uh, all of a sudden he's just there. Yeah. And he's like, uh, "Hi, it's me," and I look up and I. Recognize, yeah, I, I knew exactly who it was. Yeah, and does he look like you? No, no, he doesn't look like me. Not, okay. that, I, not that I think. Okay. Um, and uh, I go, oh, yeah, this is it. I knew. Yeah. <laughs> I knew this day was going to yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, "Yep, that day is today." <laughs> and he goes, "May I sit?" And I just looked at the table and I I waved him away with my hand. I just looked down. I didn't want to look. I didn't look. I, I looked at him when I said, uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I just looked down at my plate and I just waved him away. Yeah. I just, just go. Right. Just go. Just yeah. go. Yeah. And he went. And that was it. That was it. Huh. You don't know if he's alive or dead. I'm sure he's alive. No. He's done enough that when he dies, they'll they'll, they'll write about him. Oh, right, right, right. He'll get a, a yeah. variety piece. Maybe? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to be front page, all right? But... <laughs> So what was the relationship like, you know, not unlike Deliverance, you know, when did, because Manson plays pretty heavy in everything, mm-hmm. in your brain. Yeah, yeah. And mine too. Uh, but I don't know that I have specific recollections of, of it when I was a kid. It, it might be there, but I don't. I, I remember body counts and more footage, and I remember uh, Deliverance, but yeah, I don't yeah. really remember the Manson events. Well, I, okay, I, I don't remember, I remember Manson. The name, yeah, but I don't remember the events. But I actually remember it very clearly because um, I'm looking at this hammer because it's making me think of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Because uh, there was a thing between, I guess, '69 and '70, yeah. yeah, where I was sort of watching the news yeah. with my parents. Yeah, but the only things that grabbed me were violent murders. Sure, of course. And because uh, you can understand that, yeah, you know, Shanghai Shack and Phnom Penh. I don't know yeah. what any of that. Yeah, yeah, Fuck yeah. That. Yeah, but right. like this guy killed these people. Yeah, but then there was a guy who was running around Southern California killing people with a hammer. All right, yeah, I've never yeah, heard. Yeah. I've never heard about him ever since. But it was a big deal then. Yeah, and I think it only lasted a few months. But I was. But in a weird way, I was into this hammer guy. Yeah. as if it was a movie or a TV right, show. Right, what what right. happened with the hammer guy? Yeah, yeah, it was another thing with the hammer guy. Yeah, and then after they caught the hammer guy, then there was somebody else doing something that was intriguing enough that I was like kind of like glued to yeah, the TV. Yeah. 
and then all of a sudden, those guys went away, and then it was about Manson. Yeah. And it was just a name. Yeah. I didn't understand anything that went right. on or right. anything. It was right. just a name. Manson. Right. Manson. Yeah. Manson. Manson. And it was, I heard the name enough. And I don't know, I don't know if I even had visual imagery going with, but I heard the name Manson enough that at one point I asked Kurt, I go, um, who's this Manson guy? Yeah. And he was like, no, Quentin, you don't need to know that. You don't, wow. You don't need to know yeah. that. Yeah. Well, did you like in order to get this history? Because I just became obsessed with the idea. Uh, like I was like I I, be, I got this weird when I was uh, you know years ago when I cocained myself into yeah. psychosis. Mm -hmm. You know things got pretty mystical, yeah, so yeah. I needed some answers. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I needed to know about the credibility of witchcraft, yeah, the yeah. history of it. So you know you start reading about this, but the the thing about the movie and the book, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, is that effectively. Mm -hmm. You know, Manson was the catalyst for the death of the 60s, yes. period. Yes. And, you know, that and speed, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, right. So, like, and and he was a witch, mm -hmm. you know, and he did have a sort of weird agenda. But, like, mm -hmm. not unlike, I think the thing I love about the ending of the movie, mm -hmm. that, you know, that this was clearly, you know, not unlike Hitler in the other movie. Yeah. You were like, I, I just need to correct. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, this story doesn't end yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, actually, I have to say one of the things that was a great uh, name drop for two seconds. Yeah. All right, I um, I'm I'm friendly with uh, Dan Aykroyd and his wife Donna. Oh yeah, and uh, um, oh my God, I can't imagine you two in a room. Yeah. Going. <laughs> yeah. Drink a lot of vodka. <laughs> yeah, a lot of talking. Yeah, yeah. And then he uh, they went and saw uh, the film when it yeah. came out, and he left this cool message on the machine. It's yeah. like particularly great about Dan Aykroyd leaving a message sure. on your answering sure. machine, and he leaves a message on the answering machine. Hey, Quentin. Just to let you know, me and Donna saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It was fantastic. We loved it. Uh, you don't have to call back. Just letting you know that we loved it. And boy, <laughs> those hippies sure picked the wrong fucking house that night, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and the fact that you like, but see, the, the detail you, 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 you got, and in the book even more so, about him and about the nature of that guy. I mean, there's a lot of, been a lot of books written about him, but did you read that, like, that Newell Emmons book? Like uh, Manson in his own words. Oh by, yes, I did. Yeah, by uh, the oh, guy. His no, I, read, I, I, that I, I, I don't think I read that one from uh, chapter to uh, cover to cover. Yeah, but I read. Um, obviously, I read Helter Skelter, which is basically. Did like you read bullshit. Nicholas Schreck's thing, The Manson File? Any of that stuff? No, I read The Family. Oh yeah, The Family. Yeah. I, I I read uh, Helter Skelter, which is mostly bullshit. Right. right. Uh, uh, and I read that new book that came out, Manson, which was fantastic. Was it? It was. Fa I mean, fantastic. The best. That's one. where you got most of the information. Yeah. Uh, well, that was that. Well, no, that just gave you more. Uh, it was more of a biography about him. Yeah. And it had like stuff that it hadn't been in the other ones. But then the Tom O'Neill tops them all. The Tom yeah. O'Neill book tops. Which which one's that? That's the new one, Chaos. Oh, Chaos. I mean, that's just that's just That's it. That's that's the one. Okay. That's the one. All so, the other ones are are are, are uh, preambles to that one. Well, well, what do you hinge your fascination on that guy with? Because like he kind of, like cuz there's elements of him in a, in a couple of female characters in yeah. the movie. Well, you know, I actually exercised my fascination with him by doing the movie yeah and everything but i think there is an aspect i can't you I, you, you can't be from southern california and not be fast yeah, yeah especially yeah, yeah. especially our age our generation right. it's like he really had something especially for the gen xers yeah, yeah. there was something there was something mythological well about, yeah that's uh, the position he holds yeah. Yeah. yeah you know do you know i'm the guy that told paul mccartney that he was dead oh what yeah 
I, when I interviewed Paul, uh-huh. you know, I just sort of brought up this idea that's sort of like, how'd you guys handle the whole health? Oh, yeah. thing? And he's like, well, we didn't have a press strategy, you yeah, know, because yeah, yeah. it didn't exist then. Right. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you know, he died. He's like, I didn't know that. Like, I told Paul McCartney that Manson died. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. In front oh, of I people. thought you were talking about the Paul is dead thing. No, that no, no. Okay. Like, it, the real Paul McCartney okay, didn't but, know he was dead. Okay, by the way, yeah. we're talking about when, being a little kid. Yeah. When I was a little kid around yeah. that time. Yeah. My dad believed the Paul is dead story to be true. Who, Curtis? Yeah, Curtis believed the Paul is dead thing. Really? Everybody believed it for a while. Yeah. I mean, uh, I didn't know everybody. I was a yeah. little kid. Yeah. But I mean, that was taken really, really seriously yeah. for about yeah. two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and my dad- So he listened to the I buried Paul. Yeah, well, the, the whole end. thing, you yeah. know, and the bare, he's barefoot uh, yeah, crossing yeah, Abbey yeah, Road. Abbey Road, and, right, right. And then like, you know, and he, I go, what do you mean he's dead? Yeah. I, I was- ridiculously skeptical about right, the whole right, thing right. Uh, 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 but uh, and then he started explaining it because <laughs> he like listened to the watch this show and listened yeah. to this radio thing or that's whatever. interesting it's how, it's how some people explain your movies yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> what that's about I mean, but I mean, people took the Paul is dead sure, thing of ridiculously course. seriously. Well, look at the world we live in now. People want to will believe anything. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't matter if it has any foundation in reality. The, it seems sometimes that the more it doesn't have a foundation in reality, if it's interesting and it gives them a sense of control and and mystery, they'll fucking buy it. Well, look, okay. I have been known in my life to tell outrageous whopper lies to get out of shit. Yeah. And I learned fairly quickly, the more outrageous the lie, yeah. the more people will believe it because like, well, what kind of fucking lunatic would come up with that shit? Right, right. And then it just becomes part of your person. Like, yeah. you're that guy. Yeah. <laughs> you told the lie and like the lie becomes oh, no, real. I'm gonna tell a, if I if I was going to tell a boss a fucking lie, it's going to be a big one. <laughs> <laughs> You literally have to call me a liar to my face. (laughs) And that is how you started to craft stories. (laughs) Well, there was another interesting moment in this book where you kind of summed up all of the, you know, like I I, I thought I underlined it. I underlined weird things. There was a couple of things like, it was a small fucking town. I always t- when I talk yeah, yeah. to like Begley or or, yeah. or Walter Hill or mm. or any of the old timers, yeah, yeah. you know, Nick Nolte. What, yeah, yeah. I'm always fascinated with the idea that that community of that time mm. of the people that you're sort of um, yeah, yeah. Uh, paying an homage to in, mm. in the book and in the movie. It was really a, a small community of people that all kind of knew each other. Yeah, everybody was sort of around. Yeah, uh-huh. like you know all that stuff about the, the thing about Manson's access to the music business was because it was a small town. It's a small town. And Absolutely. Dennis Wilson was like, you know, oh, this guy seems cool. Yeah. But but uh, I kind of love, like, I feel a nostalgia for that. You and I didn't live it, but I always like talking to those guys, you know, who like, like, you ever talked to Begley? Uh, yes, I have. Yes. Like uh-huh. he yeah. was, he'd been to the Spawn Ranch, dude. Oh, wow. What, not, he didn't meet Manson, but yeah, he went out yeah. there one night with some friend of his. Yeah, like get, Cliff. Like went down there and like saw right. some girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The girls. <laughs> the girls. <laughs> But uh, but like I, I really appreciated that that whole part of it. And the other oh the other thing I wanted to bring up was like you summed up what the story structure is for most movies, most plays, most uh-huh. like I can't remember the paragraph. You know what I'm talking about? Well, which one? Uh-huh. It was just sort of like this is what happens in almost all stories. Oh yeah, okay. Oh, I, is that is that me wrapping up the the Gunsmoke episode? Yeah, maybe, or yeah, maybe, okay, maybe. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. was it though? Do you remember? Well, yeah, it was about the idea that uh, uh, <laughs> once the James Stacy character kills this guy. 
Well, now you know that at the end of the episode, uh, Matt Dillon's going to shoot him. Right. And now right. you're just sitting there waiting for that to happen. Right. Even though you like the guy. Right. All right. But right. that is going to be how it ends. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like. And uh, now you're just waiting for that to and happen. That, and that's like almost all stories. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's definitely all gun smokes, but, yeah. like, but you could apply that to a lot of genres. Shakespeare. Yeah. Uh, what's the other thing? Oh, I like the Pauline Kale quote. Mm-hmm. And then I just like, you. the way you sort of pull apart Manson and the bit that I was thinking of, do you remember the Sam Kennison bit? It's one of my favorite bits of his. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Glad oh. to see you fuckers can handle your high. Yes, exactly. Oh, you're leaving right now? Right, right. You still have time to shove a chainsaw up my ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that line, glad to see you fuckers can handle yeah, your high, right. erased all of what he represents. Yes, absolutely. And it was genius. And you did it with Cliff. Yeah. Uh-huh. Where you're like, you know, where he goes, no, that ain't it. Where he goes, <laughs> yeah. I'm the devil and I'm here to do the devil. No, it's something stupid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it was something dumber than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the greatest fucking comic beat. I love it. I just, I love, I love all of it. Now, what is this, all this about that you, you know, might be your last movie? What, where's that coming from? No, okay, that, what, What's that's coming from the way was that just a day of, that, that, no no a that, no that comes from the way the press handles stuff you do it to okay. podcast yeah. you say something there's obviously a giggle in your voice sure oh, all okay. right and then 134 outlets all right pick it up because yeah. they don't want the giggle in the voice right, that, right that's not clickbait yeah 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 right I get it so it was just yeah. taken out of context yeah, yeah you have no intention to quit working no 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 I'm, I still got another no I, I uh, like I, I'm uh, is there a part two of this it looks like there's a lot of outtakes in that trailer yeah <laughs> yeah there is <laughs> how much how much footage is that has wasn't used. No, I think that uh, I think if I were to like uh, uh, put it all together in a way that like where I would use everything I wanted and yeah. didn't have to worry about time, yeah, or something, it'd probably be about like you know three hours and twenty minutes or something. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But it's really interesting some of the choices you make because it's clear that in that trailer for the book, yeah. You know, some of the things that you didn't put in, like, you know, you know, Manson's goofy dance yeah, when yeah, he yeah. sees a cliff. Yeah, uh-huh. Like, you don't need that. Yeah. Like, the, that Manson- Well, no, like, that was good. And, like, Brad is still, I think, annoyed that I, I didn't have that in there because it was, like, it, it wrapped up everything. In but, what in what way? Well, it just, well, it wrapped up the entire encounter, all right? Oh, okay. you know, he shows okay. up at the, okay. at the yeah, house, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. then they look at each other, and, yeah, 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 and yeah. that's a great Manson bit, the little goofy dance yeah. he does, and everything. Fuck you, Jack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, we were saying fuck you, Jack. All right, through yeah. the whole. I used to do a bit about. I, I used to do about a bit about Manson about how like you know he's become sort of the old vaudevillian of serial yeah, killers. Yeah, yes, exactly. Still doing yeah. that bit. Hey man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's the Georgie Jessel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but serial killers. So, so you yeah. just didn't put but, that in because you well, wanted to. Well, no, the whole keep thing, it tight, a tight no, two and a half. Well, it was even more than that. It was yeah. more that. Uh, yes, I did. But yeah. the thing is. Um, Especially when you're doing like a long movie where, yeah. okay, now here's this guy's story and now we have to go to her story and yeah. now we have to go to this guy's story. Right. You know, throughout the whole thing, you're pacing it. You're right. pacing it. Right. And you can't wear out you can't wear out your welcome. Yeah. Where like, yeah, I can have that in here now, but will that wear out the welcome on this sequence coming up here? Yeah. So I, I thought I needed to cut it shorter because then I thought the scene between the little girl and Rick would run too long. Right. So you just have to, so it's, it's just, the pacing thing is the audience has just got to keep up with you. Right. All right. And if you just stay here too long, if you stay here too long, it's not, droop. Gonna, it's not going to be because you stay too long in the scene you're watching. Yeah. It's because you stay too long in an earlier scene. Okay. Right, right, right. And now it's catching, catching up with them. But you also have a sense of when the thing is drooping. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because like all that stuff with DiCaprio, like you, you know, 
He's he's sort of unlike anybody, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I mean, I can't like that that the when I was watching that, the amount of laugh sort of almost crying I did. Yeah. <laughs> just watching him yeah. wrangle that dude. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's crazy. But in the book, mm-hmm. like you're so like this is Cliff's book. Yeah. Uh-huh. Don't you think? Um uh, I think it can hear that way because there's those isolated chapters about him. But, but it just seems like the depth of of Dalton mm-hmm. is relative to his experience as an actor, mm-hmm, yeah. which is, you, you know, he's... But that's him! I get it. I get <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, right? Uh-huh. But the depth of Cliff... Oh, that's, well, yes. You know, is something that, you know, is is goes further back. And, like, and also there's no... No childhood things in here. No, there's not. No, there's no child. Oh, yeah, there's no childhood things. But then, you know, there, there was an interesting section, though, because when I first handed the book in yeah. to my editor yeah. and he's looking at it, he goes, you know, Quentin, for the last four chapters, we don't have any Cliff. I mean, Cliff's in yeah. the bar with them at the Drinker's Hall of Fame, but he's not talking. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of missing him. I go, well, it's... I don't want to just hop to him going back to Pasadena or something like that, or Van Nuys. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to just hop to that. But then I, I remembered I had that Aldo Ray chapter that I'd written a long time ago. Right. And I go, well, I can stick something in here there, and that will be like a hop forward. And that's like one of those weird kind of like, I don't know all the names, so I don't know who's real and who isn't. Yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, but like the Aldo Ray thing and the and its foundation in you know actual events and history yeah. uh-huh. is is really like a, a weird little you know kind of a true Hollywood history snippet. Oh, it, it absolutely is. And then it plays with the novel because it's like, well, that's what Rick could become if he well, lets that, his drinking you know get too bad. But that, but, it, but it's so weird that the balance of your fascination with the, that. Era, era of Hollywood where you had all these studio players that were still around. Some of them yeah. isn't the guy in the bookstore, one of the old timers. Oh yeah, yeah, Clue Gulliver. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So like you know, you have this you know this uh, this kind of like um, uh, respect and and yeah. and but but all the, the 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 subterranean story, the 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 dark side of all this stuff yeah, uh-huh. is equally happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's all part of it: the yin and yang of Hollywood, the illusion and what's behind the illusion, and the sort of terrible kind of uh, tragic you know existential sad stories yes uh, that yeah. happen no no i mean like you've got you know you know you've always had in hollywood you've had great success standing right next to great failure right constantly and so like you look at aldo ray one of his big movies that's a classic a film noir classic yeah it's the film nightfall right and then okay so you look at him and in that movie he's starring opposite Anne bancroft right okay so now you look at Anne bancroft's career in 1969 right. and you look at aldo ray's career in 1969 right then you look at aldo ray's career in 1977 when he's actually acting in a porn movie and you look at Anne bancroft's career in 1977 but there was a time that they sat on a bar stool together and they were leads yeah crazy it's crazy because, like, there's something, you know, that dark, seedy part of Hollywood informs the good part, and they're inseparable after yeah, a certain yeah, point. Uh, and yeah. it's part of the allure and the charm of it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also part of, you know, what we were talking about at the beginning, that there are no the, none of those men anymore, yeah. like, you know, Lee Marvin yeah. or Bronson, because they embodied that. They embodied it, absolutely. And, and now everybody is so self-aware and so careerist, mm-hmm. and that, you know, the platforms and the possibilities have been spread so thin that there's no sense of community and no sense of of you know real heroes of of film anymore well just the, that whole changing of the the whole changing of the zeitgeist at that time 
I, I mentioned a thing in there and, and yeah. uh, where um, it's just a mind fuck yeah. for Rick. He's like, okay, wait a minute now. People like me are passe. And then it's like people like Lee Marvin and Charles Bronson and oh. Lee Van Cleef, who were bad guys in every fucking single Western TV show out there. They're now the stars? Yeah. What the fuck is this world we're living in? <laughs> and me and Ty Harden are on our fucking ass? And what's going on? And also, <laughs> right, but also that focus on... The, the outfit that yeah. they wanted him to in as as yeah. a decatu yeah, yeah. they wanted him to look more like a hippie yeah yeah uh, like he couldn't quite accept it or process it but yeah, eventually uh, he gets the hang of it because the kid thinks it's cool yeah 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 uh-huh. like the, well I even like the idea when he's like looking at the mirror himself and he's like somewhere along the line the pompadour became him right and he just doesn't that that's it became an image yeah but when he's like wearing the long wig with the droopy mustache and he's looking at himself. He sees a guy he's never seen before. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden, oh, wow. He kind of sees what Marvin Schwartz was saying the other night. Yes. Oh, okay. It look, dawns on This him. guy doesn't look like an Eisenhower relic. That's right. This guy could be in a Peck and Paw movie. Yeah. <laughs> yet, yet he still calls the fucking hippie in the car Dennis Hopper. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he still identifies that. Yeah. You know? So do you find, like, because now we're at another paradigm shift, right? Or yeah. about 10 years out from one. Do you, do you ever feel because i feel it and you know and i was never uh, that relevant but do you feel that you uh, struggled to maintain relevance no if no. Uh, no not really because uh, uh i i guess if this movie came out and people were like quitting who <laughs> i guess i was like oh okay i guess the parade has passed me by all right, <laughs> right. Uh, i guess there was an ex- i guess there was an expiration date right, on, right, uh, right. but no you it, still it seemed like it was a big deal yeah you still, you still <laughs> and the got- fact that people think me Retiring is still a big deal that they're like yeah. talking about it all the time. I guess it makes me think that you know my uh, you, you my place got, is pretty uh, good. You still got your own float yeah, in the parade. Uh, yeah, I, my, uh, I've I haven't. <laughs> I'm not underdog. Yeah, all right. I'm, I'm still Bart Simpson. <laughs> I have Bart Simpson's position at the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Yeah, but like when you think about like the, the kid, like in your new life, and yeah, you seem yeah. pretty grounded yeah. and, and more well-adjusted than I think maybe you've been in the past. No? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> well, you know, getting married to the right woman, having a good kid, you know, yeah, yeah. And all, all of a sudden being surrounded by people who love you as opposed to... Uh, uh, sycophants and weirdos? Smoking pot all day and night in your yeah, room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did that help you? I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's amazing that I you I enjoyed can... it too much because it was all like, well... It's well, so what's going to be better than that? It's, right. Yeah, it's an easy. Yeah, I, I just it always sort of uh, fucked with my memory a little bit. Mm-hmm. My memory's not holding up as well as I'd like it to, anyways. <laughs> but the, it felt like the reason why I kind of focused on those statements about like possible retirement because it feels like that there this somehow this was kind of like an homage, a love letter, a farewell. This was like this was like to me the most honest movie about what was your passion your entire life mm-hmm. that you yeah. owed it to that generation of guys. No. That's very to well do said. That. That's very well said. And it's also one of those weird things where you know and the book was able to even like uh go even further with it where yeah. it's like look, I am an expert about this stuff because yeah. like i said i've been filling my brain with right it. right and then to actually write this movie like oh my god i finally have a narrative thing i can do where i can use this expert knowledge right and i don't need to take everybody along with me when right. i do this yeah. i'm just gonna f- bombard you with all this terminology and this stuff and you get what you get but i mean i always liked it in movies where like something like um 
Bull Durham. You right. go see Bull Durham. And when you walk out, you feel like you're a bit of an expert on the, on the minor league baseball yeah. because they're talking above your head. Right. But right, they right. know what the fuck they're talking sure, about. Sure, sure. But, but, but there's enough to the, to the game that, that yeah. they know that. Well, the people that just like baseball, yeah, yeah. they're uh, going to. But be, even people who don't know shit about minor league baseball, you walk out feeling a bit like an expert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And also, like, I think it inspires people to, yeah. to sort of engage on yeah. a different level. Absolutely. Like, I think that because of you, you know, you've you've say you've salvaged or introduced a lot of people to all different types of movies from all different parts of the world. Well, yeah, and you know that's a great thing for cinema in general. Apps, I look, I agree. I mean, I've had so you know, I've it's been very gratifying the yeah. fact that uh, especially as a guy who worked at a video store whose I whose job was rough, was recommending movies to right. people and trying yeah. to get them to walk on the wild side a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, there's a you know, there's almost now. About thirty years down the line, almost yeah. two different generations right. of people who got into my movies and read my interviews and heard the things that I liked: yeah. uh, spaghetti westerns, Italian horror films, yeah, yeah. kung fu movies, martial arts, yeah. samurai shit. You know, uh, and then like went and oh, well, he likes that. Well, let me give that a shot. Right. Oh wow, that's really cool. I yeah, think yeah. oh Mario Bava, he's really neat. Let yeah. me see another Mario Bava yeah. movie. Dario Argento, who's that? Right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. You did that for people. Now, do like. Does there? Are you uh, nervous about the challenges of filmmaking? You know, post COVID, or do you think you think you'll be able to do a, a movie on the scale of something like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again? Um, I think it remains to be seen. Yeah, I think it remains to be seen. I mean, I, 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 I am not sure right now. Yeah, we could make. A $95 million movie like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yeah. and release it theatrically and have it make $300 million simply by asses and seats. Yeah. I don't know that. Yeah. In fact, I, I, I would guess not. Right. Now, it, that it might become that way again. Yeah. But, but I mean, not simultaneously streaming, not where any other money is coming from, any other where other than an ass in a seat. Yeah. And that was the case with, with Once with, Upon a yeah, Time in Hollywood. Right, right. And, and it was a nice build too. It kept going. It, it did. Yeah, two two yeah. roles, right? Yeah, I I think there actually was, uh, you know, I as of now, we'll yeah. see what happens. As of now, twenty nineteen was the last year of movies as we know it. Right. The way we've known it. Right. I think there is an aspect that, like, I literally, me in nineteen seventeen, and what we, Joker, we threw in the. We threw in, we threw through the fucking window just before it slammed shut. Right. We our, our, our tail feathers practically got caught in the wood. Yeah. I don't know if a movie can make as much as The Joker just by asses and seats the way yeah. that did. I mean, that was fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I, I was in that movie. I know that. <laughs> I'd like to think that I, I, I put at least eight of those asses. Yeah, I think so. I, I think I was good for $112 on that yeah. movie out of the half a billion that it made. Oh, I have to let you know, actually. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, early on in the pre-production of Once Upon a Time in yeah. Hollywood, uh, I flirted around with the idea of uh, uh, very couldn't be happier with what Dakota Fanning did. She was one of the, actually the best performances in the movie. I think she's amazing as Squeaky Fromm. Uh, she becomes Squeaky Fromm. Oh, yeah. But early on, uh, I investigated the idea of Jennifer Lawrence yes. playing Squeaky. Yeah. And so she came down to the house yeah. to uh, read the script because I wasn't letting it out. Yeah. So she came down to the house and I just gave her the script. Okay, go right. in my living yeah. room or go outside by the pool and read it. 
And so she read it, and then afterwards we talked about it a little bit. And she was interested in doing, but then something it didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, but she's a very nice person. I like yeah. her, and I respect her as an actress. But she actually she goes. Uh, can I just make a recommendation, all right, for somebody to cast? And I go, oh, yeah, sure. I, you know that agent guy that talks to Rick at the beginning? Why don't you cast Mark Maron for that? Oh. I think he would be really, really good. I was like, well, I'm actually kind of thinking that Marvin Schwartz should be, like, significantly older than yeah, Mark yeah, Maron, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I actually see what you mean. Yeah. Oh. If he was, if he wasn't, if I, if I wasn't basing it on an older, that older sure. a fellow, yeah, sure. he could do, do a good job with that part. Oh, that is very nice. <laughs> I was, I was, she's, she was in there pitching for you, man. Yeah. Well, good. Now I have my, like, uh, my, uh, great escape story. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I wouldn't say I was close to getting the part, but I was on a list. Yeah. You of. were on a, you were sort of on a list. <laughs> I think you could legitimately say, uh, well, well, thanks, man. Metaphoric list. Well, thanks, buddy. <laughs> it, it was great talking to you. You too, mate. Thanks for coming. Hey, thanks for thanks and thanks for reading the book. I really appreciate. I it. I loved the book, mm-hmm. and I and I burned through it because I wanted to, not because I had to. Ah, uh, good deal, man. Thanks, thanks a bunch. Man, you good bet. times. Good conversation. Thanks, man. There you go. There you go. He had to go. He had to drive off. He had to drive off in his yellow. GT500 Ford Mustang with the black stripe. You had to get on to another thing. Uh, but that was great. It was really, I was. it was humbling and flattering to me, but also it was great to get to know him. And when he was leaving, it was hilarious because uh, Brendan told him, he said, uh, I've, only, I've only come out for two interviews from New York, President Obama and you. And he was very... Uh, flattered and humbled by that but it was interesting because he he really had a good time and he thought it was great he was like he was beside himself he couldn't believe it was just a natural conversation he kept saying that we just it was just a conversation uh yeah and he was very excited to get the uh the mug the brian jones hand-thrown cat mug and uh and and again i can't uh, not that he needs bread or that i need to sell this it's not on me to sell it but I enjoyed the book a lot. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by Quentin Tarantino. If you read the book and then watch the movie again, there's a depth to the movie that you know can't really be seen or even imagined. I, I don't know. They both feed each other nicely, but the book stands on its own, as does the movie, obviously. And it also sounds a little like there's a director's cut, you know, like a, a second one, like a real director's cut somewhere happening. Uh... I guess more will be revealed, as they say in the in the racket. Okay, enjoy, enjoy your lives, enjoy your day. I'm gonna play some guitar.
monkey in the fonda. Cat angels everywhere. 